Good morning, Jio Nation. It's April 19th at 10.41 a.m. at uh, Everest Base Camp in Nepal. I am uh, sitting in my tent, as I typically do, uh, moving files from uh, camera to computer. Today was, uh, this morning, was actually quite interesting. Uh, began at about 4 o'clock in the morning with a fairly consistent avalanche occurring uh, around the uh, peaks surrounding base camp. Uh, it's eerie to hear them, um, but it's also not, not uh, so dangerous. It, you know, you'd have to get a fairly strong avalanche to have it affect base camp. And for those of you that don't realize how it's kind of laid out, base camp is situated in sort of a, like I said before, like a cul-de-sac of mountains. So um, we are like an island in the middle and in the mountains surround us like a crescent shape. And they're quite a distance away. In order for uh, any sort of avalanche to not only come down the mountain, but ride the basin all the way out to where we are, you'd have to have an extreme circumstance like what happened last year with, with an uh, uh, aggravation of, a, of, a, of an earthquake. <laughs> and uh, I don't see that happening. But it was still nonetheless interesting. And uh, one after the other after the other, you would, couldn't quite hear where they were coming from. You could kind of kind of figure it out a little bit, but it, because we're in sort of a valley here, it's sound ricochets all over the place, and it's hard to isolate. But uh, a lot of things happened. Uh, beyond the avalanche, it was extremely windy. Uh, some of the guys said they, they had never seen so much wind at base camp. Uh, the tent was rattling from about 5 o'clock, 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock, all the way on till this morning, which was unfortunate because today we had puja, which is a uh, blessing ceremony by the Lama. Um, the When I say Lama, it's kind of like the priest uh, in the, the religion here in Nepal. Uh, everybody, I think, knows the Dalai Lama. He's like the... T- top guy, but there's a whole bunch of lamas underneath that, um, take care of temples that do blessings that do all sorts of things, uh, for the religion and for the people of Nepal. And in this case, um, we had a lama come to our camp last night, spend the night and, uh, which is actually kind of an honor that we were able to host the lama. And then he, uh, this morning, did the puja. Uh, puja is like a uh, ceremony to bless us, bless our crew, bless the gear that we're going to take up to the mountain and uh, lay out prayer flags and establish uh, an altar, like a puja altar, which is a, it's pretty interesting. It's like a cube of rocks uh, that sits about, a meter and a half, about about five feet tall, 
and uh, it's built fairly good quality. I mean, all the rocks fit together really nicely and create a fairly uh, um, geometrically solid uh, cube <clears throat> on top of the cube. Okay, see you guys. Uh, on top of the cube s uh, extends a spire, and then from that spire, uh, the prayer flags extend out and cover the whole camp. In fact, one of our prayer flags uh, extends all the way across into the ice fall, which is wild. I just waved goodbye to Ronnie, um, one of our lead Sherpas, Pasang, and Kevin. They are going to go to um, the next amazing milestone moment for today, which is the meeting of all of the team leaders from all of the teams that are climbing this year. Um, this is a big deal because this is the time that everybody discusses routes, strategies, um, and exactly what everybody's role is. Because there's there's a lot of uh, sharing of roles uh, between the teams because there's like 25 teams that are climbing this year, maybe more, and there's only one line, you know, that, that is set up to help climbers get up through different areas. Basically, there's, there's a main line that you follow all the way up, <clears throat> and that line is installed um, partly by the um, ice doctors who are like the pros, uh, the superstars of this thing, and they're Sherpas, but also partly hand-in-hand hand by each team takes a little bit of responsibility in installing uh, some of the route. And uh, this meeting will go over that. In fact, there's an issue um, kind of at hand right now uh, on equipping Camp uh, 1 above the icefall with some rope that can set up um, all the way to the summit. Uh, we'll, we'll find out what comes of it after the meeting, but uh, what the teams would like to do is airlift the rope and hardware uh, above the icefall, which is a little bit precarious this year. And if they can do that, it might, uh, might make things a little safer it might alleviate some trips that need to be taken through the icefall, and it might be able to uh, make things a little bit faster in setting up the route this year. The negative to that is that it kind of takes away responsibility that would ordinarily lie on the shoulders of the Sherpa. The Sherpa want to work, you know. They, they enjoy setting up the route and it's a very prestigious position if you're part of the crew that sets up Everest. And, you know, a lot of, uh, it's interesting. We talked a lot about this yesterday. The fact that uh, the perception of Everest, you know, like the perception of Everest is like there's a bunch of rich fat cats that uh, have nothing better to do with their money than to try to climb the biggest mountain in the world you know, to to kind of put a badge of honor on their sleeve. And then they're enslaving the Nepalese people to kind of 
get the job done as easy as possible so that they can walk up at top and snap a picture and say, ha ha, look what I did. Well, it's absolutely not that. It's, it's much more of a individual goal. And these people I've talked to, I've, I've met people on my team, people on other teams. They're doing this out of passion. Each of us have, have, has our own reason. And none of it really is motivated by greed. And we all have the utmost respect for our uh, Sherpa teams and the people that, you know, that were relying on to get us on the mountain. And in turn, you know, those teams of Sherpas are also ingratiated and, and respected and appreciative that they can a have a job that, that, that is pays really well in Nepal, but also be the respect of climbing Mount Everest itself. So it's not like they're being, enslaved or pushed in any way. In fact, it's almost like we're all in this together. We're all striving for a common goal, which is to achieve this top of the mountain, you know, the feet. And even the Sherpas that have gone up multiple times, every time that they go up, it's another badge of honor that uh, elevates their family name that gives them opportunities they might not have had. A lot of the Sherpas that, uh, you know, have climbed until retirement age have formulated their own um, logistics teams and they don't climb anymore, but they have successful businesses on their own. You know, Uh, the opportunity for a Nepali Sherpa to uh, work the mountain is a huge, huge opportunity. And they take it uh, with as much respect as we do. So, um, and it's difficult. And, you know, granted, we have technology today. We've got, we've got warmer clothes. We've got higher technological gear. We've got, you know, s- stronger hardware. But we're still conquering and in, in, in achieving the goal. Um, whether there's a line on Everest or there isn't a line on Everest. It's an individual feat. You you are still carrying yourself up that mountain. And so is everybody else in that line, if there is one, you know. So you can't knock the feet because there's more people here, or there's more technology, or or it, it might be incrementally easier in, in certain ways. It's still a fascinating thing to do, and it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of sacrifice, and, you know, it's, it's something that should be, you know, uh, it, it's not something that you should walk around with and say, hey, I climbed Everest, hey, I climbed Everest, but I'll tell you what, after I get down, uh, if and when I summit, uh, 90, you know, uh, 90% of me says 99% of me, hundred percent of me says I'm going to get to that top, you know, and, and nothing's going to stop me as long as I can persevere through the pain and keep my head. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not the fastest guy in the world. As long as I'm moving forward in a forward direction, I'm going to get there. 
And you know what? I don't need to tell anybody about it, but I'll know deep down inside that I've done it. And I think that's a lot what, what motivates everybody around here. They've all got their own personal mission. And, and, and it's not like uh, they're, they're looking at me, Michael Jordans, you know. Most of these people are just normal people that have, you know, I've talked to some people remortgage your house. I've talked to some people that scraped money together, that risked and sacrificed and worked extremely hard to get here. It's, it's really incredible to surround yourself with these people. I would even say that the sheer meeting of these people um, has been a major part of this whole expedition. Simply uh, speaking with people who have so wanted to climb this mountain that they've risked it and that they've gotten here by hook or by crook and accomplished this even the major goal to get here is uh, amazing. You know, um, I always uh, say that you are a conglomerate of the people in your life. So um, my best friends, the people I've met in high school, the people I've met in China, every single time that I meet somebody, you kind of absorb a little bit of that person. And uh, that, that either can motivate you, it can be a positive, or it could be a negative. You can meet somebody and find out that they actually take you down a peg. You know, they, uh, they uh, like uh, crabs in a bucket. <laughs> you ever put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, they'll never get out of the bucket because they'll always be climbing on top of each other, trying to pull each other down. And uh, that's the negative side. But in this situation, <laughs> we got a bunch of climbers in a bucket, <laughs> you know, a bunch of people who have sacrificed and have, have elevated themselves to a level that they can get here. And it's really quite amazing. <clears throat> we were sitting in the mess tent yesterday eating dinner. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've always prided myself on being a good swimmer, a guy that can really push the limits and, and, and swim fairly long distances and things like this. And we were talking about swimming and the topic came up and, and uh, Jason, one of the guys on the team, uh, brought up and it wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, pounding his chest, brag, braggadocio away at all. It was just a conversational thing. And, and he says, yeah, yeah, I like to swim and, and I swim in the open ocean and, you know, I've, I've done quite a few 25 kilometer plus swims. I asked him, you know, what was the longest? He's like, yeah, 26, 25, 26. And he's done these things in the open ocean, 25 kilometers. He's done races and other guys have done, you know, 20, 250 kilometer marathons in the, in the desert in Sahara and others, you know, are planning amazing journeys around the world. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm amongst just these, these people that are, are really Jayo, you know, they're really adding fuel to their lives. And for them, it's just daily life. But me looking at it from, from the outside, I, I, I can see how impressive these feats are. And it really fits that these people that are doing all these impressive things end up in a tent with me eating dinner at base camp, talking about summiting Mount Everest. 
It's sobering. It's humbling. If that's a word, I feel humbled by it. And uh, it, it gives me a, a lot of newfound respect for people, you know, like, uh, you know, you, you, you speak with somebody that has done more than you in, in one aspect, you know, granted, you know, nobody in that group is riding a trike around the world and, and, you know, everybody has their own quote unquote amazing aspects to their life, you know, and they can, they can push those to the extreme or they can ride them, you know, in a, in a, in, in a very ecstatic way or, you know, whatever. But, but these guys really amazing and, and sitting down and just, just last night's dinner, you know, gives me a new perspective on what I'm capable of because I can see what they're capable of. And that is what is the most important thing, you know, to, to surround yourself with people that continually push the boundaries of what you think is possible. Five years ago, I didn't even think climbing Mount Everest was possible. And up until last night, I didn't even think swimming more than 10K, which is probably the maximum I had swam up until then was possible. But today, sitting in this tent, suddenly I've awakened to new possibilities, you know? And it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think everybody needs to, you know, continually surround themselves with people that are pushing the boundaries of life. Because otherwise, um, you don't realize what is possible in this world. And... Uh, I'm I'm very proud to be here. I'm very happy to be here. I'm very humbled to be here. And uh today was another milestone moment on the on the path to getting up to the top of the world and <laughs> the top of the world now although it's it's the it's the key to this whole journey uh so many other doors are presenting themselves, you know via the people I've met, via the simply waking up in the morning in a storm of wind and avalanche, you know, or taking part in a puja ceremony. And every single thing is so amazing and so unique. And I wouldn't be exposed to it if I was either still living in Detroit or, you know, I had never risked so much uh, along the way. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it. Anyways, I, uh, I really want to get down some interviews with some people. I had been waiting for, uh, my voice to kind of clear up, but it seems like it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, getting better progressively and pretty soon I'll be up for a nice long conversation with, with one of the, um, one or more of the guys, guys here running the separate camps. I'd also like to interview Ronnie who is, uh, our, our team leader with Adventures Global, he's got an interesting story on uh, what he uh, what got him here. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to share with you what I did today. Did it, the day has just begun, so it's been uh, nice simply to begin the day with some new perspective, a little bit of jostling in the morning, a prayer, and uh, 
this meeting, which Ronnie and, and, and the guys are at right now, which will really kind of solidify some specifics for our climb. And uh, for that, I am I'm really excited. Kevin and uh, Jason and I took a walk to uh, the beginning, uh, just the rope beginning where the ropes are tied and where you would normally hook in your ascender and start making your way up the mountain or at least putting in your safety. And uh, it was it was awe-inspiring but also very cathartic as far as getting a solid perspective on um, what the icefall is. Couldn't see much more beyond the icefall but you could see what was laid out in front of you as far as the icefall goes. Um, they moved the path, according to Kevin, they moved the path from the left side of the icefall to now the right side of the icefall. And there are some steep, steep, steep ice uh, walls that you're going to have to kind of circumvent and climb or rappel down. And uh, it's, it's going to be very um, precarious. Uh, and it was interesting to see it from the bottom. It gave me a um, it it gave me a relief actually to kind of physically see it in a in a uh, in a manner that I was right there underneath it, and it felt good. It felt like okay, this is what I've I've been preparing for, at least the first stage. Uh, from through the grapevine and the different sherpas and people that have gone up. Um, it's about a four to five hour, uh, progression through the, uh, ice fall to the first camp. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure when we'll, we'll, when that progression is going to take place, but, uh, when it does, I'll let you know, and, uh, we will continue from there. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Just, uh, find some people that, that, that inspire you. And surround yourself with them because uh, you'll never know where it'll take you. It might just take you in a whole oddball direction you never thought was possible, but I, I guarantee it, it will be well worth it. And uh, as much as you can, support those people too uh, by being an inspiration yourself because um, you can't go through life being a taker. You got to be a giver too. And, uh, I'm, I'm scratching my head on how to, how I can uh, provide inspiration to these guys because they're all inspiring me so much. But I've got to figure out a way to uh, return the favor. That's life. That's Jayo. Anyways, take it easy. Have a good day wherever you might be, and I'll have a good day at Everest Base Camp. Jayo. Well, uh, a quick little update before I end this podcast. Um, I heard uh, Kevin's voice uh, from outside the tent and decided to check it out. And uh, some interesting news from the meeting today of uh, the leaders of the different teams. One, um, they're going to alleviate some of the um, stress on the Sherpas and... uh, quicken the supply route by issuing 
a uh, number of chopper drop-offs that will take uh, supplies from base camp to camp, I believe Camp 1 or maybe Camp 2, but I think Camp 1. Um, and they're going to be the equivalent of like 86 Sherpa loads, which is very cool. So uh, what this will do is it will allow uh, the um, choppers to take the risk instead of uh, putting it on the backs of the Sherpas, which um, I think is a really nice idea. The, uh, the other interesting piece of news is uh, that we may be adjusting our schedule uh, to accommodate a two-series push to uh, summit Everest. Typically, you're doing a lot of ups and downs, and you're coming back to base camp at least three times. And that means that you have to go through the ice fall, which is probably the most dangerous section of the climb. And instead, um, instead we're going to uh, do a, a two two series, which uh, the first series will leave um, here actually in a few days. Um, go up through the ice fall to one, maybe spend a night, go up to two, spend the night, push to three possibly, but just to touch three and then come back down, spend a night at uh, camp two again for two more days to acclimate, come all the way back down to base camp, uh, rest for a number of days, maybe even go back down beyond base camp all the way down to Gorakshap or uh, um, uh, lower into the, the villages um, to, to kind of let our bodies recuperate from the stress, then come back up, get uh, geared up, get ready to go, and then push from camp, uh, from base camp to camp one, camp one, camp two, Actually, I think we bypass Camp 1. I think we push straight from base camp all the way to Camp 2, rest to Camp 2, go to Camp 3, rest to Camp 3, and then uh, push for Summit. Pretty exciting. Exciting stuff. Anyways, I'll give you more details later. This was just a a conversation I had with the guys, but it's definitely interesting and exciting. Cool. Cool. The Jio Nation podcast is a podcast about me, Matthew Gallant, as I travel around the world, either on a recumbent trike or other means in uh, accomplishing goals around the world. Uh, currently, I'm uh, at Everest Base Camp uh, in Nepal, ready to climb the south side of Everest and uh, achieve the top bucket list item uh, on my dream list. If you're interested in following me, you can go to my website, www.jayo.com, J-A-Y-O-E.com. And there's a subscription area there. You can put your name in the, at the bottom, receive emails from time to time. You can also go on my Facebook page, Jayo Life, J-A-Y-O-E-L-I-F-E. And you'll see some uh, updates there as well. Probably my Facebook page is 
regularly updated more than uh, most uh, while I'm up here in the mountains. So take it easy. Add fuel to life. Jayo. Jayo.